So, Alison, come up here for a sec. This is Alison. Alison, this is everyone. Some of you have met Alison before and some of you didn't. Because last time you were here, didn't you nick off before the Sunday? No, I came for oh, the first Sunday. Came for the first Sunday. And then I nicked off later in the week. Then you nicked off later in the week. That's right. So Alison is the National Director, Grand Poobah of Elijah House Ministries Australia. That was an underwhelming response. Let's try that again. Alison. No, no, not yet. Alison's the National Director of Elijah House Ministries Australia. That was better. Alison's also a part of Paradox Church, who are very, very dear friends of ours. Uh, most of you will remember Amy, Amy Talbot. So Amy and Alison work very closely together in this whole Elijah House thing, and um, we have an amazing week ahead. We do, we do. We do. I'm really excited. I, feel, I can feel, even from the time we landed, like couple of minutes ago, <laughs> that there's a real excitement here. And so I'm, I'm hoping that you are expectant for those of you who are coming. Um, we do have uh, spaces left if you haven't registered for Journey to the Heart. But God is doing something incredible. So we started in Brisbane. Sandra flew in from New Zealand about the 26th of April and if you look at your watches, it's now clicked over to June. So she has been going hard um, for the last five weeks. Um, we're still with this week to go. So we started in Brisbane. And I want to say what's happening is not an Elijah House event. What's happening is a move of God. And it's really exciting. And so I always tell people I'm not really a salesperson you can come to an Elijah House event, you don't have to. But what I'm really excited about is what God is doing. It's almost like he's, well, I feel as if he's unlocking people's hearts um, so that they can receive more. And being connected to the, uh, the family that you are, you're familiar with this idea of the heart journey. And it's like healed people heal people. Healed people attract people. And it's like, there's going to be coming very soon in our nation people, broken people who are crying out for help and they need to be able to find those who are healed. And it's by our, it's by our, um, it's just by our natural selves that we will just, you know, um, testify of the goodness of God and people are going to become flooding in. So I'm really excited. We spent a week in... Um, Adelaide, who I believe are also good yeah. friends of yours. They send their love um, with Dan and Ness. And even there, you know, sleepy old Adelaide, there was, God was still at it. So everywhere we've been, um, we've just come from Melbourne where, again, the Spirit of God was just moving so incredibly. So it's really with the excitement that, you know, I would like to introduce my friend Sandra. Um, so Sandra has been... Sandra, you'll hear from where she, where she is from originally, but for the last eight years, lived in um, New Zealand uh, with her husband, Peter. And they have a, a beautiful ministry called, I'm going to get this right, the, the House of Naham. And it's a... I can't remember exactly what Naham means, but it's a beautiful ministry of repentance and 
just getting yourselves right with God in, in, in another way. And so Sandra, um, I am extremely privileged to have been spending time with her. I keep on telling her that she's not allowed to retire until uh, her anointing uh, rubs off on me. And, um, but she has been, if you're talking about Grand Poobah in Australia, how about the Grand Poobah in the globe? And so that's who really Sandra is. And so she just carries with us such an anointing to bring understanding of our heart, the, the state of our heart, the, the reason why we need to get in touch with our heart. And um, I'd like to introduce you to Sandra Selma Kirsten. There we go. I have been talking a bit about retirement. When I became a great-grandmother, I thought, oh, I think I'll slow down. But um, God does seem to have other ideas, doesn't he? Let me just get this. So it's so good to be here. I'm just so happy to be here, so excited to be here. It has been quite a interesting journey the last five weeks or so, but I tell you what, the anointing's just increasing, increasing. Yeah, I know. We're, we really are excited for this week. It's not like, oh, this is the last week and we're going to let down. It's like, no, this is the last week and we're going to really uh, go for it all, right? I'm excited. When you said all of you are signed up, do you mean your church is signed up for the next unit? Um, for unit one. Yeah. Wow, well done. Okay, well, I just have a couple of, of words. Um, the guy in the back on the sound. Oh, my gosh. I don't, you probably have heard this already, but you really carry a tangible gift of healing. You really do. And I just want to encourage you, I, you know, um, man, it's like, you know, when you came up, you gave me this, right? And it's like, whoa, what does that guy carry? And you carry, uh, a, oh, man, just a sweet gift of healing. I don't see it as the kind of healing where you bam and people fall over, that kind of healing. But it's powerful in a very gentle way, in a really w real way. And um, the bass player, did he go out? Oh, there you are. Wow. Um, you know, you, I don't know if you ever sing prophetically over people. Uh, you've, got a, you've got such a gift, and I just saw these notes coming out of your mouth. And, like, um, I saw a combination lock, and I don't know if you've ever seen the really big locks, and you can do it, do it, do it, and then all of a sudden something goes clunk, and it opens up. And I saw you do that. And it's like this singing, singing over people or over situations. And it just like the swirl of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden it's like, mm, mm, done. Yeah, yeah. And the drummer boy. Yeah, well done. Well done today. Um, you know, I feel like there's a set of decisions up ahead of you. And I felt like what the Lord said is that if you keep making the right decisions that it's going to be over and above what you could ever think and ask. But the caution, I guess, in that is that the decisions will, sometimes they'll be hard to discern, you know, what, what's the will of God, because there might be a couple and they look really, really good. And so just be really prayerful and, and gather some older people around you too when you're making decisions that can kind of help you sort that out. Because I just felt like as the Lord, you know, as he just, it, it's going to be one step and then another door and another door and another door. But it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. 
So keep drumming, but keep walking too. <laughs> I want to begin with uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And I'm going to just read out of the Living Translation. And just simply it says this, and I know you guys know this scripture. Uh, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And I thought, well, that's an interesting scripture. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You know, we're all part of the body of Christ. We all have a function, right? We're all part of the body. And as I prayed about this church, it was really awesome because I didn't know any of you. Um, but I felt like what the Lord said is that this church will function in a really mighty way as his arms. Yeah. And I saw you wrapping your arms around broken people, lonely people, lost people, just drawing them in. You know, it's like this great big um, mama heart, you know, just drawing people in. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever been down south in, in the U.S., but, you know, the southern people have such an amazing gift to hospitality. And especially the, the large women, you know, that just love the Lord and love people. And I tell you what, they just greet you and they just hug you. And you know that you've been hugged, right? And I remember this woman that used, um, I haven't seen her in a long time. But it was when I was a new Christian and I was really quite broken. And she was a big woman. Oh, my gosh, she was a big woman. <laughs> But I tell you what, when she hugged you, she, would, she wouldn't let you go, you know, because I was used to those kind of hugs where you would hug and then you'd pull away, you know, but she wouldn't let you go and she just hugged and I could just feel the pain just being drawn up out of me. And that's what I saw in the spirit is that the kind of hug I'm talking about, you know, that kind of hug that you can just hold people and the pain will just be drawn out. Not going to be hard, but it's just going to be who you are. And I know that this is familiar to you because of your name, but I'm just going to read just to remind you about Isaiah 61, right? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, you, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And as I was reading that again, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said that you were well named. I don't know who thought of the idea, but obviously it was the Holy Spirit. And he said, he said this very clearly. He said, this is not just a name. This is a mandate. And so I looked up mandate, because of course we know what mandate is, but you know, it's like, oh, maybe there's something in there that I didn't know about. And it's an official order or commission to do something. So you've been commissioned, you've been ordered to do it. That's pretty interesting. Yeah? yeah? And then it has a second meaning. It's an official order or commission 
but it's the authority to carry it out. Isn't that interesting? It's the approval to carry it out. It's the endorsement to carry it out. It's the authorization and the ratification. And I thought, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Because when we hear we have a mandate to do something, I don't think we think it through sometimes what that really means, that actually we have the authority to do all these things. We not only have the authority, but the approval of God, the favor of God. And, you know, God, uh, Jesus Christ grew in the favor of God and man, right? And I'm just going to prophesy that over this church, that you're going to grow in the favor of God, the approval of God, but also the approval of man. We don't seek that, right? We don't seek the approval of man or behave in a certain way so that we will gain the approval of man. But I tell you what, when God releases it, it's amazing. Doors open like crazy, right? It's the favor of God that surrounds us as a shield. And so when we walk in this type of authority and this type of approval, endorsement, think about it. God has endorsed the work. <laughs> right? People sometimes ask me to endorse books. And I read them carefully because, you know, if you put your name on there and that person gets weird five years down the track, your name is going to be on that book forever. <laughs> and so I've, I've only done one, and there's a lady, and she's just really bugging me, but I can't, you know? I can't endorse it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't think I can do that, simply because the book is way too far out there. I mean, like, way too far out there. And so if God says, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to call you to something, but I'm going to endorse it, that means his name is behind it. And he's saying, I approve of this, I endorse it, I authorize it. Isn't that amazing? It's like, I know you guys know this, but perhaps you need an American via New Zealand, via Australia, to maybe remind you of this and just to impart maybe uh, just whatever anointing of the Holy Spirit that I carry into this place to help um, maybe propel you along into this place that he's prepared for you, eh? Somehow I feel like there's, a, there's really an anointing that's going to be um, just imparted in this place. But as the arms of Christ, think about that. As the arms of Christ, you have the order, you also have the authority. And basically what that means is you have the grace to do this. You have the ability, you also have the empowerment to do what he's called you to do. But you need to learn how to avail yourself of grace. The grace is there. But it's, it's a bit of a journey in learning how to avail ourselves of grace. And sometimes there's wounds in our heart that make it quite difficult for us to um, embrace or to receive favor, to embrace or receive grace. We talked about this at one of the seminars, actually. It, for some people, it can be quite difficult to receive compliments or to receive edification or to receive words that, that build up. It's like there's something within them that goes, oh, 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 you know, or we don't have a resting place for it. And those words come in, and because there were some wounds growing up, a lot of unmet need, you know, that lack of affirmation, the lack of praise, oftentimes there's not what I call a shelf inside to receive it. And so we might 
receive a compliment or someone just greatly encourages us or we even get a prophecy that is just amazing but there's no place for it to land we will receive those things oftentimes and feel really great for about five minutes or maybe five days but if there's not a resting place for that word to brood and to begin to be rooted and grounded and to begin to produce fruit then that word will be there, but it will have very little effect. You know what I'm saying? And some of you actually have strong prophetic words that are like circling you. Words that you have been given. And to you, they sounded a little bit maybe too much. Or, wow, that, that can't be me. They must have got that wrong. But those words are actually just kind of like planes in a, a landing pl pattern, right? just waiting for a resting place, waiting for that healing to happen so that the word of God can rest and begin to brood by the, by the movement of the Holy Spirit and begin to take root and to begin to bear fruit. So this is really a key that, that perhaps you could look at as those areas of unmet need, and that's the lack of the necessary good thing the things that we needed growing up that we didn't receive, whether it was time or cuddles or nurture or care or comfort or provision or cuddles or I love yous. There's a lot of people that come for ministry and they didn't hear that once from mom or dad. That leaves a big hole inside. And so when God says, I love you, we know it, but oftentimes it, it, it really doesn't settle very strongly in our heart. If we didn't receive a lot of that growing up, and we need copious amounts, right, when we're growing up. And so that's bad news if we didn't receive it. But the good news, if we recognize it, ah, oh, I have a deficit here, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up and to heal those wounds so that we, we're not like an empty bucket that people just keep pouring into and pouring into and we just leak, leak, leak. But we can be a healed vessel so that when the Lord pours into us, then we can be filled, filled, filled to overflowing and to begin to splash on other people. So the Lord is saying, I want to increase your capacity to love and to receive love. I want to increase your capacity to be able to wrap your arms around people, right? And to draw them in. That can be a literal reaching out and touching somebody. But it can also be um, a big heartedness that we carry that actually attracts people to us. I've been praying for a few years now for um, the gift of hospitality. And, you know, a lot of years ago, I thought that the gift of hospitality was inviting people into your home and making them feel comfortable, and that's part of the gift of hospitality. But actually, the gift of hospitality is having a heart that people feel comfortable in, that have an attitude, you know, that, that have that essence that people feel safe and they feel drawn. I don't know why I'm drawn to you. I do. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit, eh? 
or they'll they'll like be cutting hair and they'll say I just don't know why I'm telling you this but and you're hoping that they can cut hair and talk at the same time because you know it's at work it's that holy spirit in you and for some reason they feel comfortable telling their story and so I would encourage you to pray that your arms be enlarged your capacity to love and be loved your capacity to receive love and to give love away will increase god give us arms you know the lord says is my arms too short that i cannot save right no he's got long arms and he wants us to have long arms as well to increase our our capacity but also to increase to ask the lord to increase your sphere of influence yeah? That, that place that he has put you, that sphere of influence, which really means in a practical way, it just means the largeness of your arms, the largeness of your heart. People kind of, sometimes they'll, they'll talk kind of boastfully about their sphere of influence, right? But I don't think it, it means how many countries you've been in or how many networks you have or how many churches you've planted. For me, that sphere of influence is how big your heart is. How far can your arms reach? That's your sphere of influence. And people are drawn into that because that's a safe place. I want to read just a bit from a, um, a, a article, an article by Gregory Boyle. And Greg works with gangs in L.A. And the title of this article is A Lethal Absence of Hope. Johnny was killed in February. He was 19. He was a Marine, just returned from Afghanistan, and on a weekend passed from Camp Pendleton. He was not a gang member, though his older brother Angel was. Angel was one of the first workers at Homeboy Silkscreen and managed to graduate from high school. And this is a place where they employed gang members and helped them to remove their tattoos, got them off drugs, gave them education and training, and so it's it's an organization that really reaches out to gang members and the community and, uh, you know, people, mothers and children of gang members, and they really have an incredible ministry. Outside his mother's home, gang members ask Ronnie, this ex-Marine, where are you from? And, well, he wasn't an ex-Marine, he was on leave from Camp Pendleton. But they said, where are you from? And he answered, nowhere. And that's the traditional response, meaning one is a member of no gang. Perhaps then he was going to say, well, I'm from the Marines, but they killed him before he could say more. Ronnie's mother, in the months after her son's death, found it increasingly difficult to free herself from the grip of this dark force. She wore only black clothes and quit her job, and even the recent birth of Ronnie's daughter could not extricate her from the state of constant mourning until the morning of September 15th. She woke up, looked in the mirror, decided to return to work, never to wear black clothes again. And for the first time in seven months, she put on makeup. Angel told her how beautiful she looked and hugged her and said, it's about time, Mom. 
Later that evening, as Angel was sitting on the front porch, escaping the heat of the house, a car passed, caught sight of him, and aimed. He was killed. When I arrived at the house, I found the mother slumped in a chair. Forget the handkerchief. She was sobbing into a bath towel. We talked and we cried together, and my arms felt too short to wrap around this kind of pain. Isn't that an amazing story? And I tell you what, for weeks now, it's still in my head. I found my arms too short. I found my arms too short to wrap around this kind of pain. We really need to cry out to the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord for bigger arms. In the ministry that I do, I do a lot of work with trauma, and I hear a lot of stories that, you know, you, you, you hear stories and then you think, okay, I've heard it all, but then you hear another one and another one, and you think, oh my goodness, Lord, how, what can I do? <laughs> you know, in, in the face of this much stuff, what can we do? Do you ever feel powerless? Do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, even though I might help this person, like it's just a drop in this, in this huge bucket, what good can I possibly do? But I think we need to encourage each other, eh? I ministered to a man, and his job was to view um, child abuse evidence every single day. I said, how do you deal with that? And so he shared how he did. And you know, for the most part, there are many people who are serving us, who are helping us, but in order to survive, they're shutting down their hearts. They're just not feeling, compartmentalizing their lives, or drinking, or taking drugs. Somehow avoiding the pain or fleeing from the pain. This is my cry that there would be more and more people who are equipped and trained to be able to reach out and to bring hope and to bring health and healing to the people who are caring so much. Men and women returning from war, people um, being diagnosed more and more with PTSD. But the amazing thing is, it's not just people who have gone to war. It's people that sit beside you in church. It's people that you meet on the streets, people who have come from abusive backgrounds or abusive relationships, or they live in scary places, maybe the refu refugees that are flooding into your country. Hey, I tell you what, they need help. Who can do it? Yeah, really. Who can do it? And we know that the medical field is doing their very best. We know that psychologists, psychiatrists, they are doing their very best. Your government is doing its very best. I saw how, how many dollars are being set aside for family violence. I mean, programs help. But we know what Jesus said, right? He said these things come from the heart. And so what we're seeing in the violence and in the, in the great sadness and the trauma, yes, it's about behavior, but that behavior comes from the heart. And yes, we can provide programs and help, but basically the problem is from the heart. I'm so glad you guys are on the heart journey and committed to that. 
because without Christians having a grasp of that and an understanding of that and the tools to be able to minister to that, wow, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I was in New Zealand. I, was, I, did a, I spoke at a church service, and they were renting. Are you guys renting this? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Well, they were, and it was during the day, and there was another church service that would start like right away, half hour after them. So they had to like exit right away. And so I was watching the time, and I was so happy that I had finished on time. It's like, wow, yes, you know, five minutes. And so I turned it over to Pastor, and he said, well, we have five minutes. Can you do a demo? And it's like, five minutes? What can you do in five minutes? And I went, okay. <laughs> so I just looked, and there was one lady that was way in the back, and it was like all, all of the sermon, you know, I could see that she was highlighted and so I just looked at her, and I says, hey, would you like to come up for prayer? Do you have a prayer need? And she said, yeah. And so she came forward, and I said, what would you like prayer for? And she said, my ankle is, is, is um, it's needing some more attention, and I've had trouble getting help from the government, and I need some new shoes, you know, some therapeutic shoes. And, and so she said, would you pray for me? But the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And I just said, yes, I will pray for that because that's important but honey, what happened to you? And she was, I don't know, it was hard to gauge her age, but, you know, she was a mom. So, um, But I said, honey, what happened to you when you were 11? And she was so shocked. And she went, and she said, I can't say here. But later we found out that she was a refugee from another country that had been involved in genocide. Her entire family had been killed at 11 and that's when she'd been injured. And she had come to, Australia, or to New Zealand as a refugee. You know, you guys, there are people sitting in our churches or, you know, on the bus next to us or in, in the cafe next to us. We have no clue what they're dealing with. Yeah? One of the people that I'm walking in my church were journeying with young man, couple ch children, teenage children, but he came for ministry, and he, he says, Sandra, Sandra, for the last 21 years, every day, I've wrestled with thoughts of suicide. And I thought, how does that happen? Right? We, we've seen people in the school and people that I've gone to church with Sunday after Sunday. We have a big church, and sometimes I don't see everybody. Hardly ever do I see everybody, you know, because you just can't reach everybody. But this person was a member of our church. And don't you think, how can that be in a church of so many people that he would carry such a burden? But when he heard that there was someone who could minister to the heart, it gave him a bit of hope. Oh, you guys. I'm so glad you're going to school. I'm so glad you're pursuing the training. How do you wrap your arms around that kind of pain, right? And what do you do in the face of that pain if you don't have tools? When I started developing the trauma uh, teachings, 
Um, I studied, you know, I prayed for everything that moved, you know, people, animals, everything. <laughs> yeah, you know how you do? It's like, okay, does this stuff work, you know? And so just practice, 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 and then developed it, and we were having some real amazing things, like people getting new hearts, going to the doctor, and the doctor said, what happened to you? These are your results, and now these are your results. People being healed from incurable diseases, and just uh, restored, people's lives restored, you know. And, but I told the Lord, if this works in middle-class America, it's got to work in like a third-world country, right? And so I said, okay, send me, send me to the worst place. And so got an invitation to go to Mumbai, to the slums. And I don't know if that's the worst place, but wow, that was a shock for me. All of these people and all, oh my gosh. And we were ministering to the women who are in the sex trade. And then we did a seminar to train the counselors who um, were helping the women who had been rescued. And so I needed a demonstration, you know, and so I asked them if they'd consider it for the next day. And so the director came up and said, yes, there's a, a young woman. She's 31 years old, and she would like to receive prayer. And so the next day, we um, set it up, and I began to just ask her some questions about herself. And she told me her story. And when she was 10 years old, she was uh, kidnapped by her uncle and put into the trade. And she didn't speak the language. She never saw her mom and dad again. And she lived in that environment for 21 years. And she had had a little baby, and the baby had died. And she was rescued at 31. And she was so excited, and they were teaching her a trade. She went to the doctor, and the doctor told her she had incurable AIDS. And so, of course, her world was rocked, right? And so while she was telling her story... I was crying. Everybody was crying. But you know what I thought? What can I possibly do or say in the light of this trauma? And I was so glad that I had the tools. And so I just reached, reached for a tool, grabbed it out, and said, can I pray to release trauma from you? And so just stood over her and asked the Lord to remove the shock and the trauma and the fear and the terror, to draw it to the cross, to release his peace. And just prayed specifically into her story and the different losses and the shames and the fear and just the, you know, the, the terror that she'd lived in for so long. And then the major disappointment of that diagnosis. And I just, I was sobbing. She was sobbing. And it was, it was really like you could feel the Holy Spirit, right? And so after we finished praying, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to give her a mama's hug. And so I just, through the interpreter, said, I, I feel like um, the Lord said to give you a mama's hug. And she just jumped up, and she just <laughs> grabbed me. And she just said, I've been waiting 21 years for this mama's hug. Yeah. And you know what? There are people that are just waiting for someone with arms long enough to say, Lord, send me. 
Lord, here I am. But also someone who has a few tools. You don't have to have all the tools, but enough so that you know what to do in the face of that kind of suffering, eh? And say, I don't know at all. I know about this much, but can I pray for you? And as we sat down, the difference between when we started to pray and when we finished was amazing. And I just started to talk to her, and I said, you know, at some point in this journey that you're on, you'll need to forgive your uncle. This is what Scripture tells us. And I don't know if you're ready now. You may not be ready, but at some point, the Holy, you know, to be obedient to the Word of God forgiveness must happen. But I know these people are with you. They will journey with you. And when you're ready, they'll walk you through that. And she said, oh, I'm ready. It's like, oh, my gosh. Because I was having trouble forgiving that guy, (laughs) right? It's like, wow. But what I've noticed, and we teach on forgiveness in the journey to the heart, but what I've noticed is that when people's hearts are healed, And when they come to peace, when that incredible trauma has been dissipated, they're able to forgive. It is so hard, if not impossible, to forgive from a broken heart. So as you are all on this heart journey, it's so that your hearts will be healed as well. But also so that you can step into the mandate, where you can embrace the mandate to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, right? To restore, to rebuild, to renew, to strengthen. When I, when I prayed for you, I felt a groan. I heard a groan, and it was labor, And I thought, people laboring under a heavy weight. But then I thought, oh, sounds more like labor pains to me. And I felt like the Lord is really birthing something in this church, just bringing forth something and just that labor. You know, when I went into labor with my son, I had no idea. (laughs) I didn't. Now they have classes. They walk you through it. I knew nothing. I don't know how I could have been so naive. We didn't have Google at the time. But I just, I was this pretty new Christian. I thought we'd been redeemed from the curse, so I was going to have no pain and quick labor. It was like 35 hours, right? It was awful, and I was so afraid. And that, of course, made the um, labor harder. I didn't have a coach. I wanted a child, but I was not prepared. And so just to encourage you guys to get the preparation, to get the coaching, to get the equipping so that you can bring forth what God has for you. In this working hard and laboring too, my husband is a building recycler and he pulls down buildings and they use the, like the native woods and they recycle them, they put them through um, machines and then they come out gorgeous. But there are a lot of recyclers who just bring in the big machines and just crush everything and put them in the dump, right? So that they can get the money for the, for the demolition. 
but these native timbers, it takes 300 years to grow them. Some of them take 300 years to mature, and they're not even logging them anymore. You have to have special permits, and just a few a year are released. And so it's like he's learned through the years how to look at this pile of rubbish, really rubbish, and to bring it through a process so in the end it's extremely valuable. He had this big trailer full. It wasn't a big trailer full. It was a trailer full of wood. And I looked at it and I says, oh, what will that be worth? And he said, oh, about $70,000. I know. It's like, wow. You know, because I was thinking, oh, it should go to the tip. But when he sees it, he sees way more than I do. And all he has to do is scratch the surface and he can determine what kind of wood it is and how valuable it is. And isn't that what God is calling us to? Yeah, Yeah. sometimes we look at people and we think, and the Lord says, don't look on the outside, right? Don't look on the outside. These are my people. They are valuable. But we have to know how to do it. Yeah. And to not hurt people in the process. I love the suddenlies of God. Don't you love it? You know, it's like, bam! Everybody falling and everybody having fun. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. But the older I get and the more I journey with really broken people, I'm beginning to love the slow work of God as well. The sometimes slow work of God. And that's the process of loving people to life. Let me read something from Teresa of Avila. Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks, through which he looks compassionately on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. And so I'm wondering if we could just go into some prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit, right, to just brood over us, to just come, not only to bring his healing, because, you know, we can't give away what we don't have, And so to heal our own hearts and to fill us up in the areas where we've experienced lack, where we're hurting. Sometimes I know in the body of Christ, when I was a new Christian, it was kind of put aside your own hurts and your own struggles and help people. And there's some truth to that. There's some value to that. But we need to deal with our own stuff, right? And then... Like Ali said, wounded people wound people, healed people heal people. Yeah? So I'm so glad that you're on this heart journey. And again, can we just be in agreement to pray that we would be able to step into the sacred duty of hospitality? 
and to ask God to just increase our capacity, to increase our reach, and to love large. The Passion Translation, I love it. I love it. It says, love large. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your spirit. We thank you for brooding in this place. Lord, I thank you for what you have deposited in this place. I thank you, Father, for the work that you've already done. I thank you for the name of this church, Lord, which is not just a description of, of who they are, but, Lord, it's a description of the very core of who they are. And so, Father, I bless that. I bless what they already carry. I bless that which they've pressed uh, so hard to come into. I bless that which they've, they've already stepped up into. But, Father, I pray and release now and increase and increase, God, of capacity to love and increase, God, of the capacity, Father, to love people to life. Father, a capacity to wrap our arms around people. And even if it's just a touch, even if it's just a hug, that people will be impacted, that people will actually be changed for life by that touch. Just one touch of the king changes everything. And Lord, we carry the king within us. We're his kids. And so when we touch someone, we release that, that power, that virtue of Christ, the love of Christ. Father, I pray and impart through the cross of Christ, Lord, that none of my stuff will get messed up into it. But Lord, I release the impartation in this place of the healing of the heart. Father, the healing of trauma, the restoration, the rebuilding, the renewal in Jesus' name, the comfort and the consolation. Whoa. Yes, Lord. Mm. Well, the Lord would say that this church has the capacity, the ability, and again, the unction to comfort. And in Isaiah, it says, Comfort ye, O comfort ye, my people. Prepare the way. Remove every obstacle out of the way of God's people. Oh, God. Father, raise up an army of comforters. Raise up men. Raise up women. Raise up children. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that there would be a raising up. And Father, again, all that that I have gained through study and through years and through experience and through trial and error and through the laying on of hands of John and Paula Sanford and the passing of the baton. And as John prayed and prophesied over me and released the baton, released the mantle, Lord, I just feel to release it here in this place in Jesus' name to add to what they already carry. And so I bless you in Jesus' name. With that which Papa John released into me many times,
the blessing that he sent me to New Zealand with, I impart that blessing to you to go and love. Just receive it. Just receive it. Brood Holy Spirit. Let the weight of your presence come. Come, Holy Spirit. I wish I had more time to talk on trauma, but as I was hearing the band today, you guys have a sound, and God's going to add to that. But that sound is going to be part of what you carry as far as healing. And as you release the sound, people are going to be healed and delivered. And it's something about the actual sound and the vibrations that are in the sound, the combination of voices, the combination of instruments. But steward that well. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I see healing teams going out from this place. Thank you, Lord. And just as we close here, and I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed, but is there anyone here and you feel disqualified? Even as this word has come out, you think, oh, it's probably not for me. I'm disqualified. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing. I want you to raise your hand. If you feel that's you, you just raise your hand because I want to pray over you. And I want to release the word of God over you. And the Lord would say, he has called you and he has qualified you. I break the power of the disqualifying spirit that's been over you. It's like a literal spirit that has been over you that disqualifies you. And I break the power of it right now in the name of Jesus. And I send it to the feet of Jesus. And I declare over you that it will no longer have any power to hold you back and to lie to you. You have an important role, important function in the body of Christ. Don't listen to that voice ever again, okay? When it starts to bug you, you just say, oh, that Sandy girl. She told me not to listen, so I'm not going to listen. <laughs> and you, young man, God loves you. Yeah? 
Yeah. And I want to encourage you in your walk, too. You just keep going for God. God has something really amazing for you. Don't give up, eh? Don't give up. So, Lord, seal what you've done. And we just pray for more. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. You know that feeling when you've been leaving your mail lying around? In other words, you just read our mail. (laughs) So big time. Our mission is actually to show the world what love really is. And, yeah, that just, wow. So, God, we just want to say we receive that as a word from you. We receive that prophetic word, that prophetic ministry, and we receive that impartation. Mm. Yeah, that was no insignificant thing that Sandra prayed over us just now. Yeah, we just say yes, God. We've said yes many times to that mandate of Isaiah 61, but we just say yes again right now. (laughs) We say yes to the commissioning and yes to the authority to go and to love the world, God. And we just say increase our arms. (laughs) Increase our arms to be able to wrap around pain that seems too big but give us arms that are bigger Hmm. right from the get-go God we set out to be a healing community and just more just more we just receive everything that you just imparted to us everything you just spoke to us we just say yes we receive it we receive it we receive it And we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to prepare us, to coach us, to equip us, to give birth to what you have for us. Yeah. No aborting. Mm. Yeah, no baby in the birth canal, but no strength to bring it forth. We just speak strength. (laughs) We receive your equipping whether it's direct from you or whether it's through people like Sandra that you send to us. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Father. Mm. We bless Sandra. We bless Alison. God, thank you for what you're doing through them in this nation. And God, we just pray this week that this city, this region will be touched with an unbelievable love bomb, but also with the grace to release that even more. Mm. Yeah, and I just pray hope over any person in this room that you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling stuck in pain or trauma, we just release hope over you right now in the name of Jesus. We break the power of hopelessness and despair. And we want to say to you, your pain matters. Jesus hung on a cross to heal it. Your pain matters. We bless you with hope and we release the shalom of heaven in Jesus' name.